welcome to Dwyer. I'm Matt Dwyer. This is a music podcast. And speaking of music, that song that played me in is entitled Searching for You. It is by the band Weird Nightmare, and it is from their debut album, which is self-titled, which would be Weird Nightmare, if you can't put two and two together there. And my guest today is Alex Edkins from Weird Nightmare. He's also from Mets. He's also been on the podcast before. This is uh, Alex is now a second member. I feel like I have had some people who are on three or four times, so maybe I should start making patches or something. Anyway, that album is out on Sub Pop. Uh, All the links to that are in the show notes. It's a fucking really good album. I love it. And uh, Alex also um, has a project he does with Josh Walsh. I think that's Josh Walsh's name. I know his last name's Walsh from Holy Fuck, where they do... um, sound track score music and uh, sorry i'm tired while i do this intro i have a sick dog i was up all night but anyway the link to their website where they do scores and soundtrack music is also in the show notes and uh, i love that kind of music and i love music scores and one alex and i talk about one of my favorites rumblefish uh, by Stuart copeland from the police but also Alex's music in that department is really great. So I put the link to the website if you want to go check that out as well. Uh, all things Alex Etkins, Mets, and Weird Nightmare are in the show notes. Please, if you're listening to the show, always check the show notes. There's always interesting things in there and where to buy things and where to support. And Speaking of support, something I'm going to be doing on the regular is plugging the Climate Emergency Fund, which is a... Uh, obviously a climate crisis organization that helps fund action to help spread awareness and activism to help us, our governments, wake the fuck up. Because uh, I know the U.S. government is dragging their fucking ass on this and we don't have time to fucking drag our ass on climate. Um, The U.N.'s sort of estimate that it would be five to ten years is by some scientists... um, I'd say all scientists, <laughs> is quite conservative. And now that the EPA has been gutted by the Supreme Court and they can dump carbon emissions into the atmosphere willy-nilly, it is all the more important that we wake our government up, we stop carbon emissions, and fucking stop dicking around with oil. Uh, I take the train when I can. Just throwing that out there. But anyway, Climate Emergency Fund, if you can donate something, please do. I'm going to be doing some work with them in the future. I can't announce yet, but there's something special coming, and it might involve music. Um, Anyway, that is the bulk of my uh, opening today. I did say call it Dwyer. I'm I'm fucking tired of calling the show Conversations with Dwyer. I've been toying with calling it Dwyer. I'm starting to call it Dwyer. I don't give a shit. It's Dwyer. Uh, also, though, if you do need a website, uh, you can go to kellyrdwyer.com. She does my website. She does many podcasts and political people. kellyrdwyer.com. Get a website. Uh, also, usually, there is a... Uh, I have bonus footage of the interviews. Usually, there is an extra half hour to hour on my Patreon, which you could go to at themattdwyer.com and become a Patreon subscriber. Unfortunately, Alex and I... This is pretty much it. This was the conversation. No bonus material. 
but it's a great conversation. Very fun. But uh, I have to ask Alex if I can use the video. I do have a video version of it, but I haven't asked him if I could use it. But there's a bunch of extra footage on the Patreon from people I've talked to over the years. And go to com slash episodes, and you could see the fucking 300 episodes I've had. This is like 323, I think. Anyway, doesn't matter. Let us get on to my conversation with one of my personal favorites, Alex Etkins. And, you know, here we have uh, the great stress of what is was sort of a democracy to begin with, but not really, f- just fucking crumbling. <laughs> oh, I mean, I don't know. You wouldn't even know what to say anymore. It's uh, it's bewildering. Does that, yeah, it, you're observing this from the fucking outside, so I'm I, I'm curious. Just are are people up there just being like? Well, there goes that. I mean, it's literally the empire is just crumbling. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, uh, I think we're so connected. I don't. I I feel very much intertwined. You know, I don't think Canadians really feel very outside looking in. I I think we see ourselves in America. You know, pretty much. So it it affects us deeply even if just on a psychological or emotional level, I think to see, to see it, because it just means we're not far behind in, in most ways. Uh, we are, we're always kind of looking to the South too. And we seem to follow the U S is lead, if you will. And, uh, so I don't know, man, I laugh. It's very confusing. It is. And I've heard a friend of mine who lives in Toronto told me she has, Trumpers, like people with Trump flags marching up and down her street. And that's just fucking crazy to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's, it's all, everything that's happening down there is happening up here. Um, from what I can tell. And, uh, you know, I can't make any sense of it. I, most, most things I'm seeing, every, uh, you know, on the daily, I just can't make any sense of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's part of it is like because we're both fathers, and that's what yeah. that's what really. I, I'm just like my kids. Like I don't give a fuck about me at this point. I'm just like, what can we do for them? Yeah, yeah, it's frightening, and uh, and everything's speeding up, and things are changing so fast. So, um, I think, so, like I said, it's a day to day thing. Some days I'm optimistic i can i can stay positive and then some days it's pretty darn it's pretty easy to get uh you know it's too real (laughs) i yeah i yeah and that's what i'm trying to do is like well i can't really i can't control the bigger i can't you know i can't control that shit so i can hug my daughters and uh make a pizza like that's 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 the best i can do (laughs) Yeah, find the joy in those little things and and do your do your your thing and I don't think that is a cop out honestly. I think that is like an actual good way to live at this point at least I found find like you know, I I, I believe in community and I believe in in that our our actions obviously affect everyone else around you. So you have to be aware of that, but 
I also think some days I have to just take care of me and, and, uh, my family yeah. and, uh, you know, and you, cause you feel hopeless to do more. Yeah. If I, I don't, I'll, I'll, I'll just probably strip off my clothes and run down the street screaming. Like, <laughs> I, don't, <laughs> I don't have a, I'm just like holding on for dear life for any sort of sanity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's good to know I'm not alone in that sentiment. Though. Yeah. That's and good. Let me tell you this, Alex, no one wants to see me naked. <laughs> <laughs> That is just nothing my neighbors need. <laughs> Think about your neighbors, man. Come on. <laughs> right? I mean, everybody's yeah. got it tough. They don't need that. No, they don't need that. No. Uh, so, yeah, because I was thinking, too, like you, we went from the pandemic into this, and I don't know, but the pandemic gave you a great album. How about that for a transition? <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> but it's true. The weird nightmare. I was again listening to it on my morning dog walk and I was just like, this is fucking great. Like it's great. Thank you, man. Wow. It was, it was like, you know, music's always kind of medicine for me, but that was like a kind of a strange thing that was like, I was like, I have to do this. Now's the time I've been given this opportunity to try something else. And, um, it felt amazing. And it was the only good thing I can take from that whole period. It was just like (laughs) made me focus on something. Like I said, uh, like I was saying, you know, that was my way of being optimistic and staying busy and not getting, you know, overrun with negative emotions. Like I put everything into this thing and, managed to have a blast doing it. So, and, and, you know, it made the, made the pandemic pass faster, you know, because I had this focus. So yeah, I'm glad you like it. Yeah. It's uh, I know you've probably talked about it a lot because it's a, a slight switch for you. Mm-hmm. Having talked about it so much, I was wondering, cause I'm sure there's certain aspects you're um, and questions that, you probably just have gotten a thousand times. Is there anything about, <laughs> about the process and the album that you haven't been able, like no one's asked about and you're like, how come nobody ever asked about this? Uh, you know, not really. Like it's, there's no secret to it. It was just a guy in a room with a computer and some crummy microphones and some instruments and chipping away at it. I really, love the process of making records and I'm happy to spend eight hours on a vocal overdub where I think some people would like run down the street naked screaming (laughs) if they had to do it. (laughs) But I am content in that domain. I like that. I like trying to, and it's not about perfection because that's certainly, there's not, there's nothing that comes close to perfection on the record. It was sort of about getting, just these very basic um, rough around the edges songs documented and feeling good. But so I'm looking for that feeling as opposed to like that, you know, clinical perfect sound or, or perfect singing or anything, you know, that's not what I'm interested in. So this was just, 
you know, um, a very rudimentary recording setup like anyone would have in their bedroom or, and, uh, it was my little escape. And so couldn't be more simple. Is, is that what you often sort of go for is like start to, to for, go for a feeling? Yeah, you mean when writing? Like, yeah, yeah. Cause you said you were going, did you say that? Yeah. For these I... songs, for these songs, I wanted to just, I wanted them to be uplifting. Like, uh, Mets obviously is got a lot of aggression and a lot of bombast, you know, it's, it's in your face. And I love that. There's nothing better than cranking your amp up and, and bashing it out. Like that is, you know, I still think that's the coolest thing. Um, this was something I wanted to actually, you know, make something that people could to listen to in a different context. For example, you're walking your dog. I don't know if people listen to Mets when they're walking their dog. It might be a bit harsh to, uh, you know, start their day or whatever, but I wanted to get into a different you know, headspace, uh, musically and lyrically. And so, um, when recording, it was just like, not, sorry, not recording, but writing like the, the, the chord progressions and things. It's like, does this lift up? Does this make me, you know, feel good? Um, and that was sort of the key to all these songs. I wanted to, to hit you with a, a hooky sticky chorus, like pretty damn fast, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Was that stuff you ever tried? Because it's a bit more poppy, one would say. Yeah. Than Mets. For one, was that like a conscious choice? You wanted to be more poppy. I think it's just um, what came naturally out of out of me. Like that's that's my love. I think it always has been, and it and it rears its head in Mets. But um, you know, I'm one third of Mets, so it's like my my melodic tendencies come out in that band, but, um, you know, my record collection is a lot of sixties pop and garage and stuff. And that's just coming out. It's just, I didn't think to do it. It just kind of happened. Yeah. Was, Cause I'm just curious. Cause I know like if I start writing something, a lot of times I don't know what the fuck it's going to be. I'm just like, all right, I have this fucking sort of intangible vague yeah. concept. And then it just sort of, you chip away at it and then it becomes whatever. And sometimes you're like, well, that's not what I wanted. <laughs> oh, totally. That happens all the time. And you know, what's interesting is that this record, it did kind of happen over many years. Some of these songs were intended to be met songs and they weren't, you know, they didn't, they didn't feel right. So I put them away and I kind of assembled all these songs because in my mind they had something in common, but they're from, you know, some of them date back to 2012 or even before that. So it wasn't like I wrote everything during the pandemic. I'd say four or five songs are fresh and then some of them are go way back. So there was something intangible that connected them all, but I'm not really sure what, I think it was just like sort of that melodic obsession with you know is is that is that chorus going to stick in your head and that was sort of what i wanted this project to be was it, yeah have you ever like did you bring those songs to mets and be like hey let's try this or does that like how does that a apply? couple of them a couple of them and it's yeah. just like it's too to this so you couldn't do it or i it, it's funny i think now if i were to bring them they the guys would be really pumped but it 
some of them were during say our second record and we were not, I don't think we were confident enough or in that headspace to go there yet. Now I think we'll go anywhere we damn please, which feels great, you know, <laughs> but at a time I think, you know, you're self-conscious and you're like, well, is that, you know, is that what we should be doing? You know, second guessing yourself. I'm happy to say that we don't really do that anymore. Um, but there was a time when mm, maybe it's a bit poppy. <laughs> so we, so I put it aside, you know? Yeah, there's always that thing, too, which always kind of fascinates me when people are like, yeah, I don't think our fans would go there with us. And I, and I don't think I'm a typical guy, but I'm like, if I like a band, I'm curious to see where they'll go. And I I know that's a legit yeah. question because you don't want to lose people, yeah. I guess. But that's always, to me, I'm like, where are you going to go? Like, I'm excited to see that. Yeah, it's, uh, it is a tough thing to, to handle. I like, think anyone who says that they don't, let that creep into their mind is probably lying. You know, I think it's, I think it affects everyone to a certain extent, you know, uh, you can't completely disconnect your music or what you're making from your fan base. I don't think ever, but you can try. And, uh, like I said, I think now I don't know what came over me, but I just didn't have any, you know, I didn't have any cares left. I did not give a damn what people thought <laughs> about this. And I don't really, uh, with the Mets stuff too, cause I'm happy with where it's going and how it's progressing. And, um, you know, I, it took, it took 10 years to get there in that headspace. You know, it wasn't always the case. Yeah. That's interesting to me. Cause I used to like early days, I cared so much of what, and I think it was just me being insecure. And now I'm just like, fuck off. Like, it just, I don't fucking care. <laughs> yeah. Life is too short. It's like, I, you know, I could not care less what, you know, uh, rock dude 69 <laughs> thinks of the record. <laughs> I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> Do you, do you give, in that same vein, do you give a, sh I mean, I know reviews mean all other positives besides, but do you give a, like personally give a shit what some jackass at a laptop has uh, to say? I, I obviously, uh, appreciate good reviews. That's great. Um, but I also keep it in, in, uh, focus that, you know, that is just literally, uh, some dude sitting in his bedroom. <laughs> That's one person's opinion. And I really don't think that music journalism has any sort of real, um, authority. I, I certainly don't see it as having any real authority. That's just one person's, you know, uh, hobby, if you will, or, <laughs> I agree. you know, and I've written reviews <laughs> and I felt like, I mean, I wrote like maybe less than 10 and I just, I was like, I'm a fraud. This is bullshit. I needed the money. Well, you're not. It's, 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 it's totally legit, but it is one person's opinion, you know, yeah. and it's nothing more. And it, when I think when it, when it, uh, attempts to be more and it attempts to be actually have some sort of authority, then it's a fraud. Like, it's like, no, 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 like let's keep it in and check here what this actually is. And, and so, yeah, no, I'll take a good review, uh, but I'm also getting way better at, you know, taking the bad ones too and not letting them affect me. It's like, um, 
sometimes it used to, you know, really piss me off, but I'd say that's behind me now. Yeah. I always wanted to start a website that would write reviews about reviews. Yeah, exactly. It's like, well, you're a shitty writer. (laughs) Oh man. I did a show in Chicago and the dude wrote a review about it in meter, like in rhyming meter. And I was like, what the fuck is wrong with you? (laughs) Like you've invalidated any legitimacy of at all of you as a reviewer. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, You know, to each their own, everyone's got their passion and if that's yours, good for you. I just, um, did you, I don't know if you saw it. I just spilled my water like a drunk. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I, I I did not notice, but down, you know, I I was curious about the song you did with Alicia from bully, because first of all, that's like, if you, I don't know, I'm curious how that came about because it's a perfect, the pairing of you two, your voices. And it's just so fucking perfect. Awesome. Yeah. I, I, there was a whole bunch of things on this record that I chalk up to being just fluky luck, like, uh, working with Lowell who drummed on everything, um, was one of those things too, where it's like, he was the, he's just a guy I met through friends and had some beers with. And then when it came to this thing, I was like, Hmm, who should play on this? And I just, you know, it was a gut feeling. I picked him and he was beyond great. Like just one of the reasons why I actually followed through, I think is because he was able to, to play on these songs on top of a drum machine, which is what I was writing with and make them kind of push and pull and breathe in a way that I was shocked. Like the guy's just insanely talented. So that was like a fluky thing where it just kind of, met met the right guy for the job and he was down to do it and alicia's the same it was like popped in my head i don't know why but i was like alicia's got this amazing voice like no one sounds like her and this song needs that kind of injection of personality the song wasn't like it was fine but it wasn't doing for me and like she was completely excited and down to do it and I think it. To only, she sent stuff back in a couple days. Like it was like boom, and uh, yeah, I agree. I, I I was kind of blown away by what she brought to it, and like how it, it just lifted the tune up. Have you written like a duet before? God no. I mean, it was funny. I was like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm actually asking her to do a duet, pretty much. <laughs> like it was my, it was my idea to uh, kind of do the call and response thing because I was like, I think that's the way. And then with some slight harmonizing in there, like doubling. No, no, it never would never cross my mind. Uh, but uh, yeah, just seemed like uh, the right thing to do at the time. Do you feel like with this, that you found yourself going into new territory, sort of surprising yourself with stuff like that? Big time, big time. Yeah, even just the, the act of recording myself and not, you know, hiring an engineer and then uh doing all all the bits and pieces i decided to just do that myself and that was the first time really like i had been obviously demoing and recording you know i had i had some recording credits on mets records because of bits and pieces but i've never you know i've never done an entire album where i engineered it so that was absolute new um 
territory. And then certainly with the songs, like, like I said, just going, not being afraid to, to kind of share emotionally, but also just kind of bring those big hooks in and do these sort of, I wouldn't call them rock tropes, but like working within rock and roll as opposed to punk uh, worlds, you know, it was like, I'm using, uh, bar chords and open chords and stuff, which has never happened in Mets. Like it's simply not, uh, in the cards. So I was just trying things that felt exciting. Um, for me, I mean, they wouldn't be exciting to other people. I don't think <laughs> like, it was, like, you know, it's pretty, pretty straightforward stuff. When you think about it, it's sort of like, you know, the, this, the songs aren't, uh, hard to wrap your head around. They're, they're the opposite. They're like, the intention was like, these are really simple, fun tunes, nothing to them. You know, were you, were you nervous to put it out? Was it because it was such a different thing from you for, to, to the world? I think so. There's, but I'm always, there's always a little bit of, of that. Um, but I've been blown away by the response. It's been like, like I said, I'm kind of at a crossroads where I, I have stopped carrying to a certain, um, point, but you know, you want people to enjoy it. You want people to, to get into it. And it's really surpassed my expectations. Like the, at the beginning, for one, I didn't know if anyone would even put it out. So I, you know, if a label would touch it, if, if, um, and therefore like if anyone would hear it. So the fact that sub pop got behind it and we're, we're in love with it, I was like, wow. Okay. So that's already a win. This is my little baby that I honestly didn't know if anyone would hear. So now it's getting a release and then now it's out in the world and people are like, Oh, just like, you know, sending me the nicest messages and, and, you know, uh, they're playing it on the radio and they're, they're doing stuff where I'm just like, I can't believe it. I really can't believe it. And, uh, so it's, it's a huge, it feels like a win already. And it's still only been out for like a month or something, you know? Damn. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> and this isn't like your first, <clears throat> excuse me. Cause I was, I went to the website for the, uh, the stuff you do with, uh, the Holy fuck guy, the score. Yeah. With Graham. Yeah. That stuff is yeah, yeah. fucking great by the way. That also, thank is. you. <laughs> thank you. Like I, I forgot about it cause you emailed me about it and I was like, oh, okay, I'll keep that in mind. And then I forgot to download the album or the, the, uh, noble rot. And, yeah. and it was too late when I went back to download it. <laughs> oh, okay. I'll send it to you again. Yeah. So that, that was, so Graham Walsh from Holy Fuck, uh, is a good friend. He's worked on a bunch of Mets records. He, he worked on some of the drum production on the weird nightmare record as well. So anyway, in, during the pandemic, we would just go to the studio um, and this, this is not the hole in the wall place where I did my record. This is an actual nice place called palace sound in Toronto, in Toronto that he works out of when he's, uh, doing sessions and we would just go there. And like I told you, we did some stuff for TV and for movies and scoring, which I absolutely love, uh, love because it's, you know, using a completely different part of your musical brain, like day and night from making a, a three minute pop song. Right or a punk song or whatever. And then 
after we'd finished the, this one movie, we just decided to start writing songs and it turned into like a record, a, a very much a studio project, but like a record that Graham and I made and we labeled it noble rot. And, uh, we're in the process of, uh, figuring out how to release that. And so that's, that will be out there, you know, I hope soon, but uh, we will share that, but like, you know, just love it. I can't get enough. I just want to make music all the time. <laughs> what can I say? <laughs> the, the, the reel that you have on the website, which I'll put in the show notes, if right, you're cool with that, right? If yeah, yeah of course. But it was, and I listened to a lot of soundtracky stuff. I've been listening to Stuart Copeland's uh, Rumblefish soundtrack lately. Have you ever checked that out? No. It's fucking great. It's like one of my favorite okay. all-time albums. But there, and not that that's similar, but I just like, I like instrumental music and I like, it, it seems, and when it's for a visual, it tends to have a different feeling. I don't know. It, maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it, it, the, the music evoked that sort of same feeling I get when I listen to Stuart Copeland's thing, where it's just like, there's a, a different excitement and a different emotion that you get when you listen to that stuff. Do I sound like an asshole? <laughs> no, no. You don't. Do I sound it's, like you know, one of those can... reviewers? <laughs> <laughs> Only a little. <laughs> um, no, man. It's like that. that there, there's truth to it all because, uh, yeah, making music to picture uh, is an absolutely different thing, and it, it, there's no doubt that uh, you're being led by your eyes in a different way. As you know, uh, when you're starting from scratch writing a, a, a song who knows where that comes from? It can come from a million different places, but if you've got a, you know, an image or, or film in front of you, it's like all bets are off. It's definitely telling you what to do on some subconscious love on some level like that, you know? Yeah. So it's a thrill. Stuart Copeland in this soundtrack does some cool things, which I've, he takes sounds like just like pool balls hitting each other from the, and he uses them as rhythm for the song or a song. And it's kind of, I'm like, Oh, like there's so much shit going on in the, the songs that it's pretty wild to, li- I, I don't know. I've been kind of obsessing about it. lately. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Like Graham's big into the modular synths, and, uh, my way is more like put a microphone up and, uh, and you know, give me a drumstick and I'll scrape a, you scrape across the grade of a fan or something like I'm more into like getting those kind of like found sounds and then integrating those. And, uh, there was a lot of that when, when we worked together, just kind of, you know, like you said, that the pool ball kind of idea of just, you know, uh, where, what is that? You can't really quite place it, you know, in a, in a piece of music. Like what's that sound? But that's yeah. kind of uh, did Harry the Part- fun. Did Harry Parch do that sort of thing a lot? Uh, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. <laughs> I only wanted to mention him because that makes me sound even more like a record reviewer. Yeah. You know, your stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and I have to really present and be theatrical about how much I know. <laughs> Soon I'll be talking about colors and tones. Okay. <laughs> uh, but I, something I wish I would have known the first time we talked and I, but then uh, through the, my failed project about the Jesus lizard, I was curious because it makes sense that you were influenced by the Jesus lizard, but I wanted to know like yeah. how, if you, cause I remember the first time I heard them, I just like when you first heard them and what your thoughts were and how they influenced you. 
I don't remember when I first heard them. Um, you know, it could be through Hayden because both Chris and Hayden saw them um, before the reunion. I only got to see them during their first reunion, which, and it still blew me to pieces. Like it was yeah. just shockingly good. And it was, you know, I don't think it would like some people were like, maybe it was better than their prime. Like people who had seen them, but I don't know. Cause I wasn't there the first time around, but you know, I think it was probably goat or something that Hayden probably showed me. If not, it was on a, on a college radio station, probably uh, late night, you know, CKCU or something in Ottawa. But it's the kind of stuff, like I remember first hearing uh, Fugazi too, and being like on the radio, uh, college radio, and being so confused. Like, what am I hearing? (laughs) You know, really, like really being like, I didn't think music could be like this, like that kind of thing. Like what is happening? And, and, uh, and when you have these masters of their, of their music, of their instruments, I think of the Jesus lizard and Fugazi as that way. Like they're, um, deceivingly complicated. And, uh, when they put their powers together, it's just like unbelievable. Like, you know, what can I say? I'm going to start to, you know, if I talk about their rhythm section or the guitar tone of Jesus lizards, like I could go for days, but, um, and then, you know, one of the greatest front men ever to do it. It's just, it's just shocking. (laughs) I like it. It's, it's crazy because I feel like now we're seeing their influence in other bands. Yeah. And which I'm also, I feel like what took so long? Cause I, you should have seen, but now I really like, I can hear some new bands and I'm like, Oh fuck. They're totally that influence. I don't necessarily hear it with like, I feel like in the aggression sometimes with Mets, but I don't hear like a direct, like some bands I'm like, Oh, you're, you're yeah. Really. <laughs> even up, even up to like using the same gear. But you know, I think, you know, some, sometimes Chris's tone bass tone can come close or, but I don't know. I think we're almost too, too conscious of not ripping off our, our favorite bands. Like, like that's like, do not step into their lane because you will look foolish. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's their thing. We, we, we always wanted so like, and I, you know, I still, I think that's the, you know, at the end of the day, maybe what, what our goal would be if you were to pick one for Mets, just like to have our own sound, you know, and they have their, the Jesus lizard very much has their own sound. And, you know, I don't want to rip that. I want to, I want to have our own thing. Did it take you a while for Mets to sort of find its own sound or is that, was that a progress from like early on? Yeah. Well, no, I, I think it actually happened pretty fast when the three of us got together. Um, but it is a constant, you know, quest. We're, we're still finding it. We're still, we're still growing. Um, but I, I like to think that, uh, Chris Hayden and I all have like a, a pretty characteristic approach to our instruments. And then when they come together, you know, it's pretty, uh, uh, 
one of a kind. That's my, that's what I'd like to think. I don't know if, if that's true, but, um, and that was pretty instantaneous. Like that's just the chemistry between us. I think it's always wild to me. Like some bands just come together and it, it that's it. And that, like, yeah. And not to, it's like, it's cheesy to say that there's this magic or whatever, because you know, that there's, there's more to it. There's lots of hard work, but, um, sometimes you just click, um, with somebody. I, I know that I've been playing music with Hayden even before meeting Chris, you know, for several years before that. And, you know, I can read the guy's mind. We can, we can play for hours and not stop. And it kind of just flows because there's that, there is that connection. Yeah. It's wild. Cause like when the drummer who's unfortunately, I can think of the guy who replaced the drummer for the Jesus lizard Kimball, but like, Yao was like, it became, it became work. Like it wasn't the same dynamic. And he's like, it became a job and I didn't enjoy it as much. And I'm like, mm-hmm. it's fucking fascinating. You take one element mm-hmm. out of that band and it's not the same. Doesn't surprise me at all. Cause that dude's swing and everything is so special and important. Um, I can't remember the damn dude's name either. <laughs> I should know. Cause I fucking spent six months entrenched in that. <laughs> Yeah. And I was so excited for you. Oh my, I was like, as you know, just so excited that that was going to be made because I feel like it was doing a service to humanity. Get it. You know, like that's a, that's a doc that needs to be made. I, I, the depression I had when that, Oh no, it was like, it was, I was, I'm like, I can't, I can't even articulate it. Like I was, and my, my partner who's very understanding and who's tolerated a lot of fucking bullshit from me, <laughs> but it was like, I think it was hard for her to figure out how to handle it. Cause I was just like, I'm going to run down the street naked screaming. <laughs> That's the third callback, everybody. That's comedy. <laughs> But I was like, and it was like the a dream come true. So it was, or so I thought. So yeah. I just was like, the whole time I was like, is this really? And then I was going to talk to you on my fucking birthday. So I was like, this is like a great way to start this off. Yeah. Yeah. I was stoked. Um, but that stuff happens. <laughs> what can you say? You know, you broke, you broke my heart too, you know? <laughs> well, I'm glad I could cause mass suffering. That's always been my goal in my creative world is to just disappoint. <laughs> but yeah. And it's funny cause I, when you said the rhythm section, but I also like for some reason got like a shellac rhythm stuck in my head. Mm. And I was like, I'm wondering if that uh, b- b- produced by Albini, which sort of makes sense, but I wonder if they're, do you, was shellac also yes not as not as much it's funny we got all kinds of comparisons on our first record i have no idea why it was like people would name drop shellac and nirvana a lot and i was like i think the only way that they're hearing shellac is um like the production of the record like it's got this pretty bitey high end and kind of tinny thing that you could, I think could, could relate to Steve's guitar tone. Like, but I don't know, uh, maybe even I hear more big black even than, than shellac because shellac's a little bit more naughty or something, you know, and slow. Yeah. 
I, I, I stand by that you guys have your own sound and I don't, I can't, like, I could never pinpoint influence. When I, when we talked about you talking to me about the Jesus lizard, I was like, oh yeah, I totally, there's like a thing, but I wouldn't say like, I couldn't pinpoint it really if you asked me too much. Yeah. You know, I think, I think the hope is that you are able to, um, put everything you love into a pot and melt it down and actually make something new out of all of those, those things you love. Like, uh, we certainly do love, uh, the Jesus lizard. There's no doubt. I mean, they're, they're just, they're still an inspiration. Um, they played the Phoenix on their first reunion and we got in just as they were about to start. And, uh, yeah, just runs from off stage <laughs> straight out off the monitor into the crowd and did the entire first song on the crowd, went to the back of the room and then back to the stage as they finished the song. It was just, it was just like truly masterful showmanship. I was, my mouth was just, you know, my jaw was on the floor people not everyone can do that it's like a gift <laughs> that's all it's, i'll say that's all i say yeah you know i watched and i saw them i didn't see them back in the day which i sadly i was actually supposed to see them in toronto in 97 ish and i regret not going to that mm-hmm. but i did see the reunion and i was like how the like you do turn your fifties, and like I would, I was like, I know bands in their twenties that cannot fucking touch this. <laughs> it's like, no, I don't think anyone can touch it. There's, you know, I've a couple shows like that that happened. Like I saw Devo too not long ago, and I was like, no one's even on the same level as these guys. These guys are like on, on a different planet when it comes to. <laughs> You know, everyone else is down here and Devo and Jesus Lizard are up there and like a couple other bands. That's, it's just, it's amazing. I love that. It's just, like I said, it's just mastered. Like they've mastered this, this art form. It's super cool. Was it just as a slight, but was it weird to tour with weird nightmare and, and sort of have to perform without what you were used to with like Mets just in that different world? completely bizarre. <laughs> I mean, and we're still doing, yeah, we've got shows this summer and I love the guys I'm playing with. They're fantastic. Uh, and I feel lucky to play with them, but I'd be lying if I said it wasn't the strangest thing ever. Like, like I said, having this sort of mind meld with Hayden and Chris and playing with them for going on 11 years now. Um, it's just, it felt really wrong. <laughs> like it felt, and I but, feel like you were but cheating. I mean, a little bit, a little bit <laughs> cheating, and also like I don't know how to do this uh, in in this format. Like it, it, I'm just really fish out of water type of thing. But you know, I tried to to revel in that. I was like, this is what this is about. I want, I, you know, I need this. I need this in my life. I need to take chances, do something different. It shouldn't all feel the same. You know, it shouldn't always be that one way. So, um, terrifying. It's very strange, but also really rewarding at, at the end of it. 
Yeah, how did the name weird? Because you said weird nightmare. Because I wrote to you and assumed it was the Mingus thing. Yeah, was it just, yeah. Which I, I guess it wasn't. <laughs> I should have said no, that. No, not really. <laughs> no, you know that Mingus song is like I'm aware of it, but no, I, I don't have the audacity to reference Mingus in it. That's just like again, like I'm not on that planet. Um, <laughs> No, it was, it was sort of like a self mocking name. Like for, I had a folder on my desktop where I was putting these songs and I labeled it weird nightmare because the notion of doing this, you know, pop record, pop solo record, if you will, was, I thought, you know, I labeled it that because it was just like, this is terrifying. What, what a strange thing that I'm going to embark on <laughs> kind of knowing, knowing this like, this is going to be weird and scary. So, uh, that was the, the reason for the name. And of course, you know, it does tie into the pandemic and the room I was making most of the recordings in, um, it's part of this big, it's called the rehearsal factory and it's in Toronto and there's a bunch of them. Uh, and they're just these, these huge sprawling, um, uh, you know, corridors. And there's like rooms on every side with bands jamming, making tons of noise. You know, there's the stoner metal band there. There's the reggae band there. There's Mets here. And, uh, it's usually this really rambunctious vibe in there. And it was empty. There was no one there, not a soul. I was the only one. Like, and I would go, cause we were literally being told by the city not to leave our houses, but I would, I would go and, you know, quick drive and I'd go there and there'd be no, not a soul there. And it just felt like the end of the world. Like there, I was the last person. Um, so that's playing into the name too. I was just kind of like, is this real? Is this, is this, uh, it just felt so strange, uh, to be somewhere where you're, you are all the time but the, uh, the feeling was completely different. Did you, why did you not want to name it like Alex Edkins project? (laughs) (laughs) You know why? Well, that doesn't really have a ring to it for me, but, (laughs) (laughs) but I jokingly, I like to say that you can't sell a t-shirt that says Alex Edkins. (laughs) (laughs) that's i mean that is part of it but i i you know i don't i don't have a i don't think my name's all that rocking so uh i decided against that i think it's weird like comedians sell t-shirts i'm like i don't want to wear your fucking someone's name and someone's name i don't know i don't know if i can get with that so i wanted it to be a band at least in theory are you, do you think there'll be, will there be another album? Well, there's already new music coming, uh, in the fall oh. and yeah, I have every intention of doing another album. Um, but right now it's, we're smack in the middle of uh, writing a new Mets record. So that's the focus, um, and doing some weird nightmare touring. So it's like, you know, this juggling act that I'm, I feel really lucky to be, uh, doing both, trying to make them both, uh, 
know, give them the appropriate level of commitment right now. It's a lot though. <laughs> I was going to say like, now you got a tour with two bands. <laughs> it's like... Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot. And it's, you know, already, um, being, being away from home gets harder and harder. Um, and my son's five and almost six and it's hard. It's hard to be away from the family. So, um, yeah, when you're away, you want to make it count. That's always the thing with Mets too. We're, we're, people are like, you guys are pretty serious about what you do. And I was like, yeah, I, you know, we're not messing around when we do a show. We want it to be awesome. And if it isn't, you were like, you know, I chose to be away from my family for that amount of time. I want to make it count. And, uh, I don't really, I'm not talking financially. I'm talking like, you know, why we got into this in the first place about doing, doing the damn thing, doing the best you can and trying to connect with people on that, on that level. So, you know, that hasn't changed. And and that's the same, the same kind of thing for weird nightmare. Although I, I must admit it's a little bit more, uh, the stakes are to me a little bit lower. It's a little bit more like a fun rock band, you know? So it's, there's a different vibe there. Do you know if you guys are coming to LA with weird nightmare? No? I don't have plans yet, but uh, I think that will happen. Yeah. I don't have any dates booked yet on the West coast. I just, my birthday's in November. If you just, you know, if you want to, cause I was, okay. I'm, I'm writing that down. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted, I though, not to bring up something that might be slightly painful, but you guys got your gear stolen, which yeah. was just fucking heart wrenching to watch on, so yeah, and I, I, it keeps fucking happening. It seems to be a real. I've seen oh like, man, it's there's a certain place in hell for for people who rip off uh, bands. But I mean, I, I don't know. It, it, it was this thing that it had this silver lining because the outpouring of support from everyone was truly overwhelming and and kind of like left us smiling at the end of the day. We were like, wow, you know, people care about what we do. And, uh, you can forget about that pretty easily sometimes, especially, uh, during the pandemic and when you're kind of disconnected from that, the music community and live performance and all of that, you know, can forget why you're doing it. And, and that was a reminder. It's like, I don't, you know, our gear. So, you know, our gear, was stolen. Our trailer was basically I'll run down the story. So we played in LA and we're trying to be really safe. And we say, well, you know, uh, let's drive out of town so that we don't get our gear stolen. <laughs> like, really, like actually that was our rationale. Like, let's be safe. Probably, uh, best to get a couple hours under our belt tonight after the show. And, you know, stop in a small town. We do that. Uh, we get in around 3 a.m. And uh, we park the van in front of the hotel where the security cameras and the front desk, you look out, you can see our van. It's right there. You know, we're trying to be smart about it. We luckily take in our guitars to the rooms. So we didn't lose that. But... Uh, Anyway, with it, and I was up at 7 a.m. the next day because I had a Skype with my son planned. So within f- those four hours that we were sleeping, uh, some criminal masterminds <laughs> broke into a... What did they do? They, they, uh, 
stole a truck that was not ours, but the nearby backed it up, cut off our trailer and attached our trailer to the stolen truck and drove it across the train tracks and emptied the trailer and left like some sweatshirts there in a box. We were like, Oh, thanks for leaving those. But they got away, you know, with tons and tons of our merch and gear. And, uh, all of this was caught on camera, like all of it was, but made no difference in the end. You know, we never saw the stuff back, but so that's like the story of uh, how we got, you know, our stuff ripped off and you just wake up one day and you're like, Oh, the, the van was still there, but the trailer was gone. And it was just a very strange feeling. I remember Hayden calling me up from his room and I saw his name on the phone. I was like, this isn't good. This guy never calls me. He's not the first one up. (laughs) He's never the first one up. And I was like, Oh, this, there's no way this is good news. And, uh, you know, you just feel sick to your stomach. But like I said, uh, we came out of it feeling like, appreciated and loved by the music community and supported. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, this shit happens and there's people who are actually, you know, uh, in need, like, you know, we're lucky guys, you know, at the end of the day, we're, we're fine. We have, we have, um, we're really fortunate, you know? So people, people are in actually, bad situations out there. So I don't want it to, to sound like all oh, woe is me about it. Like, Oh, poor me. It really, you know, we, we rebounded from that relatively quickly, although it was a bit of a gut punch, especially after not being able to tour for two fucking years or whatever. Yeah. Like that's just, yeah. I mean, it, it sucks anytime, but that was like first trip back. Like boom, not to let LA off the hook you could have been followed. <laughs> I genuinely think there's, that's probably what happened. I mean, unless it was, and then there's a, the, the thought that it maybe was an inside job with the hotel. Like, Hey, a van just pulled up because the timing was just so exact. Like I do feel they might've just followed us. Although it's like, you know, good two hour drive. They followed us then. But we totally possible in Atlanta. I was on a shoot and like a small production, but still like the camera equipment and stuff was fucking shit tons of money. We yeah. went, and we went to dinner in a, and put our the truck in a lot, two trucks, and they got fucking within dinner. <laughs> it's like and it was like so. And I was like, we clearly somebody had been watching us all day and was just waiting for us to be stupid because it was a, mm-hmm. that was to go get dinner. <laughs> <laughs> like and yeah. parking a lot. Yeah, it is. Uh, we we were thinking it. We actually were coming to grips with it. Like you know, I'm surprised it took this long. To you know, we've been doing this for so long. As I go, surprised that this is the first time. In some ways, you know, you can be smart about it. You can be safe, but if they want to, if they want to take it, they they can find a way to take it. Yeah. People told us in Atlanta, they're like, you're lucky you didn't come walking up because I guess in Atlanta, they get a little rough. 
America. Mm. America's mm. great. <laughs> we go back to the top of the conversation. America is great. <laughs> do you know if like is Noble Rot coming out on a do you have that a date for that or not? Is that all No, it's really you're getting the scoop on this. No one knows about this. Uh no, it's it's still in the works. We're figuring it out as far as a release. Uh it has been a pleasure to talk to you again. Likewise. Love it. <laughs> 